welcome back. This is Tony Lontis and this is the Artist and Author Hour. And as with all our shows, we have another amazing author to talk to and chat with today. She has a phenomenal story and I'm delighted I get to share an interview with her. But before we do that, just a reminder, if you're listening live to this interview on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch or Twitter, don't forget to like, subscribe and comment and let us know your thoughts. If you've missed any of our artist and author shows, please don't forget you can watch Tony TV, the channel on Binge Networks, Zondra Networks TV, Hero Go, Paz and Tony TV is also available on iPhone and Android and smart TVs across the planet, including Roku, LG and Samsung. Now, part of what we do before each and every show is an incredibly important acknowledgement to country. And this international movement acknowledges a special and important role that our Indigenous people um, contributed to our country's cultural identity. So I want to respectfully acknowledge the people of the Yugamba language region on the Gold Coast, Queensland, Australia, the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast and speak today. And I want to pay my respects to the elders past and present and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here watching today or watching this interview on replay. Now, today we're going to be talking to the author of The Bella Santini Chronicles, a wonderful series of books by the artist uh, by the author Angela Lee pardon my my uh, vocabulary this morning now Angela believes that we are all made of magic and the magic is contained we contain is love she believes all children are magical and they are a special gift to the world Angela is best known as the author of her children's fantasy book series called The Bella Santini Chronicles, which gives children and their parents guides, tools and techniques for emotional balance. For over 50 years, Angela has experienced abuse, bullying, belittlement, and through that exposure, she's developed methods of emotional management. Angela's been feeded featured in USA Today, the Los Angeles Tribune uh, newspaper and magazine, along with countless other media exposures. Angela is an international best-selling author with eight published books. Angela <laughs> shared the stage with Les Brown, Bernardo Moya, Michael Beckworth, Joe Vitale, Diana Wentworth, Alison Larson, Mo Rock, David Fagan, Dr. Ali Lankarini, and many others, and now Tony TV. Angela has done everything from speaking to C-level entrepreneurs about emotional intelligence to creating engaging children's videos. When Angela isn't writing children's stories, she can be found hiking in the beautiful wilderness in Taos, New Mexico. Welcome to the show, Angela. Thank you so much, Tony. I, I, I just love that you opened up recognizing the Indigenous people. It is such a beautiful honoring of who they are and 
what they stand for. And I just love that. Oh, thank you. Um, I actually grew up um, in the western part of Queensland and actually had the privilege of having friends that um, lived and grew up in and around um, Aboriginal settlements and towns. And the high school that I went to um, was predominantly Indigenous children. So I got to see firsthand some of the struggles. So for me, it's actually a privilege to be able to acknowledge that they've been on this continent of Australia as one of the longest living Indigenous tribes across the globe. And mm. it's a privilege to be able to acknowledge them each and every time we do a show. Angie, That's I wanted beautiful. Thank you. I wanted to start the show with one of your favourite motivational quotes and it goes like this, we cannot selectively numb emotions. When we numb painful emotions, we also numb positive ones. And that's a quote by the beautiful Brene Brown. Um, Angie, let's just talk quickly about numbing emotions and what that looks like in real life. So in real life, what it looks like is if you're in England, it's keep calm and carry on. Mm -hmm. Buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> you're not, don't let those emotions control you. You just have to keep moving. And that's part of it. But there's another aspect of um, emotional repression. Um, and I'm, I can best describe this when I talk about my father, who was... Yes an alcoholic. Um, in fact, I would call him a raging alcoholic. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we children and my mom, we were all mm -hmm. abused by him. He drank because his father had belittled him and he grew up with feelings of unworthiness. Yeah. So he, he drank to try and drown those mm. feelings but feelings are energy and you and gotta deal with them they they stay with us yeah mm. no matter how hard you try to run away from a feeling it's always there mm -hmm. so when you repress a feeling it actually the energy stays and That's it will come up again results, doesn't it and yeah. it's such detrimental there's, um, I, I say that much of the social societal issues of the world really stem I from repressed emotions. Absolutely. If we encourage children to understand that things like anger, frustration are very normal human emotions and teach exactly. them how to deal with them and disperse them, then they wouldn't be repressed and we wouldn't have some of the terrible issues that we deal with across humanity, would we? Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, ways that we avoid our emotions, alcoholism, drugs, self-harming. Eating. Um, eating Pretending. not eating mm -hmm. um, suicide there's yes. all of these outcomes of not 
knowing because no one taught us how to deal with emotions. And we still don't talk about it very well, do we? Um, You know, the fact is, if you're feeling anger, there's something underneath that. What is it that that anger is about? We don't ask ourselves those questions. We just, as you said, if you're in England, then it's probably just big breath, pull yourself sweep together. Sweep it under the rug. Sweep it under the Yes, I know, I know. Yeah. And it's a lifetime of unlearning then, isn't it? And it it's a cultural thing, you know, oh, because in gosh. England, the keep calm and carry on thing was started yeah it was started because of the war Mm -hmm. and there was a need for people to just keep moving in that crisis situation but it stayed on in the lexicon and Mm -hmm. and so I don't mean to you know point to England because there are other cultures that also have Australia has a fascination with alcohol and gambling that's yeah. our, you know, that's kind of where we go. And it, and it's not, it's a choice um, that yes. people make to mm. avoid the feeling. Or the pain of dealing. And, and the, the thing is, what I've learned in my life mm. is that the story of what you've what happens so the story of the circumstances your head every time it thinks of the story mm-hmm. that prolongs your exposure to the pain gosh yes what i what i teach is a method of feeling the feelings that disconnects the mind that it's a focused attention kind of a mindfulness yeah of your own feelings mm-hmm. and in doing that the energy can flow and it dissipates and people don't understand because none of us were ever taught how to deal with feelings. So they don't understand that the biochemistry of an emotion is about 90 seconds. Mm -hmm. When you think of the big feelings of grief or, or overwhelming anger and how long that feeling is carried through, it is because the mind focus on the circumstance. Mm. And when we can disconnect, yes, focus yeah. on the feeling, let it flow, it's not there to plague us. Mm. It, it's emotional freedom. And when you talk about letting it flow, um, I just want to clarify for the audience what that might look like. Yeah. Um, so for, for me, um, at a certain traumatic time in my life, um, well, actually a lot of my life I've battled with anger. But one of the things one of my very brilliant therapists taught me was when that anger was bottling up and bottling up, it needs release. And so instead of yelling at someone or going crazy or having road rage or any of those things that anger can be displayed as, she got me to get a pool noodle. And when I felt that anger rising, I would 
bash the pool noodle on the bed until the anger subside and that was releasing the anger versus bottling it up Angela is that your experience of one of the ways to disperse those emotions absolutely and what I would say is that you had a mountain of repressed feelings that needed to come out Mm -hmm. and so it was that was very good advice positive ways in my books um in one scene the main character is punching a pillow yes because she she found out that her life was a lie and she you know had a lot some big emotions around that yeah um so when we have the tools and we know how to just allow our emotions to flow, we don't get that built up of feeling. Mm -hmm. So we're not as reactive as maybe before. Mm -hmm. But um, when you do have that mountain of, of anger, it's information. It's telling you that this situation doesn't seem right to you that you're mm-hmm. unhappy with this situation and yes finding a positive um way to express that anger some people will go for a run mm-hmm. and that just helps that energy to dissipate um when if children learn through my books the method for dealing with feelings they won't get that mountain yeah. So they're they're always going to be able to just deal with the feeling and let it flow. Yeah. And that's that's part of the many reasons why you wrote um the series, isn't it, Angela? That you you oh. wanted to help children deal with big emotions, yeah? Yeah. Um I had a lot of repressed anger because my dad had abused us mm-hmm. and the betrayal, the abandonment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even realize until I was an adult that I was angry at my mom for yeah. not seeing what was happening. Yeah. Um, and yes, it's I had a big to- one to deal with, isn't it, Angela? That the because uh, I'm identifying with you and that that. Uh, Yes, there's the whole uh, realm of feelings around your father and very valid Mm -hmm. feelings around his alcoholic rages and abuse. But then conversely, there's an anger um, towards your mother and around your mother uh, because why didn't she stop it? Why didn't she do something? Why didn't she help? Why Why didn't she protect? And 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 the adult logic knows why she didn't do that. But you're dealing with child feelings, aren't you? You are. And, you know, it's these unprocessed childhood feelings that drive a lot of our current behavior. And fortunately for me, I have all the tools. So I was able to allow that anger. Um, But, you know, there's a big taboo against being angry at your parents. Oh, that... definitely. Nobody wants to go there, do they, Angela? Nobody no, wants because to let we're you told talk that about we have that. to honor our parents. It's in the Bible. Yeah. And 
I just finished reading Alice Miller's book, The Body um, Always Tells, or something like that. Yeah, yes, yes. Yes, it's a brilliant book. And she talks about, you know, several different cases of childhood abuse and how the repressed emotions resulted in mental health issues or or in physical health issues. Uh-huh. So it is, um, yeah, that that whole thing, it's, we need to be able to give ourselves permission to feel what we feel. Definitely. And if we could um, teach children that these emotions are part of being a human being, um, yes. that you shouldn't, you can't stop them oftentimes. Um, you need to feel them, but there's ways that you can deal with them that are more helpful and more healthy for you yes. than other ways. For for everyone, you yeah. know, because if you think of the way my dad deal dealt with. Yes, let's emotions. talk a little bit about dad, if that's okay, Angela. Sure. He was um, an alcoholic and you realized later in life that his alcoholism was probably due to, as you said, low self-esteem, unworthiness, because his father belittled him. Do you know if his father had an alcohol problem as well? Um, My grandfather, he drank a lot and Uh he was a gambler. Okay. And so... Okay. um, yeah, it's a generational thing that mm-hmm. that comes down. But my awareness of this was really opened up when my aunt, mm-hmm. um, I I was visiting her for a holiday, and she made a comment about how Jimmy was such a sensitive child, oh. and my mind went, yeah, because my dad was a monster, yeah. And I couldn't, like, here's these two people, and how could they be the same person? Mm -hmm. And what I realized is, because I knew that he didn't have a good relationship with his father, and I knew that his father had, um, you know, questioned his, um, whether he was a gay man, he questioned Mm -hmm. his sexuality, he questioned a lot of stuff. um, And my father was never able to find the approval of his father. Yeah, I see. And that's very damaging to a child. Yeah. 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 So as soon as I had that understanding, I could see the entire thread of Mm -hmm. my grandfather, my father, us, our kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, it is said that in the um, alcoholic realm that children of alcoholics choose one of two ways of being. One Mm -hmm. is to follow and become an alcoholic because it's what they know. Yeah. And the other is to reject that behavior (laughs) entirely. Yes. And that's what I did. I, I rejected um, the alcoholism, but I also rejected the anger Mm -hmm. and that played a huge part in my life Mm. because my former husband um, I was just going to ask you about the man you married yeah 
Yeah. He, um, anger was his go-to. It, it, mm. it was what he knew as a child. And so yeah. that was what he learned to go to. And I was always in judgment of his mm. anger mm. because yeah. of my experiences. Um, rage was something that no person should ex- have to experience. Mm. And so I judged him for going into rages and um, that, that doesn't help the situation, frankly. No, no. If I I knew then what I know now, I would have been able to see that he had a lot of repressed emotion that was coming out Mm. and um, you know, it was all because he was an injured child. Yeah. Angela, there's something too about, um, so you married um, a man who was, who was very angry. Your father was very angry. There's, there's a, a pre-density for children who grow into adults, particularly girls who marry men that are similar mm-hmm. to their fathers. Can we yeah. talk about that? That's we can. Hard, and I thought it? I was avoiding it because he yes. my my ex-husband didn't drink. So I thought I was fine. <laughs> and then it mm. turned out that the anger um, became more and more prevalent yeah. as in fact, I think when our son was born, and I fell so in love with that little boy yeah and I I couldn't love my ex-husband the same way I loved my son Mm. it was a very pure unconditional love yes but I always love is and it's not a mother's love is not romantic love it's completely different no it's completely different fewer men will not be able to tell the difference Exactly. And um, I had conditions for my husband, Mm. you know, and one of them was that you, you treat me better. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I could not love him, my husband unconditionally, but I could love our son unconditionally. And Mm -hmm. there is a difference in the way that feels. Yes. Um, the energy of it. Mm. And so I, I think, you know, I hate to say this, but I think my husband was jealous of our son. It's often like, I've heard that so many times from so many women across the world that, that that happens. And, and for an emotionally mature, emotionally intelligent man, that's not so much an issue because they recognize the difference. But for fractured men, Mm -hmm. they can't, they don't know. They don't know any better. Exactly. And, you know, he never experienced unconditional love in in Mm -hmm. his life because Mm -hmm. his mother was very conditional. Yes. And so... Yeah, that creates its, its own set of, of, of issues. Um, let's talk. There was a point in your life when um, you had a big wildfire come through mm. 
and it fundamentally changed your life, Angela. Can you talk to us about that? I sure can. It was in October of 2017. Mm. I got a phone call at 1.30 in the morning and you know, yeah, those calls in the middle of the night are not good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was a robotic voice and it just said, wildfire in your area, evacuate immediately. Yay. Pop so I got asleep. up out of bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got up out of bed and I looked outside and I was living at the bottom of a hill. Yeah. So the hill was black, but the little bit of sky you could see was... um this orange it was like yes oh wow my camera won't see it but just orange yeah (laughs) and and that was unreal but the worst part of it was the noise (sighs) because the wind that night was running at 65 miles an hour and the fire was very whipped up by the wind Uh and there was this roar that sounded like a freight train and a lion roaring all put together. Mm. And I think it was the fire and the wind, Mm. the two different pieces. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I heard that, I was like, no, we got to, we got to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And I think 15 minutes later, we had gotten the dog and, uh, and what we thought we needed for overnight out of the house. And, um, and it must have been so hard to leave, not knowing whether you were coming back to a I house really or nothing. Yeah, I really didn't think that I figured I'd get home the next day and it would be fine. Yeah. And, what happened? But as we were driving out, there were sparks from the fire being driven on the wind all around us. Mm. Um, our neighbor was slower in getting out than us and he video documented what was going on so he caught he caught our house um he saw our house catch fire and caught it on camera and 10 minutes later our 3,000 square foot house was flat gone nothing and that is when I the next day when we got to the property there had been a truck parked on the hill mm-hmm. and the metal from the engine had melted, trickled down the driveway, down the hill. <laughs> and the front That's of the heat, house, isn't it? That's phenomenal. It was like 2,400 degrees, they figure. Mm. So it could just consume an entire house of everything in just a few minutes. Oh, Angela. Um, it was very, you know, you hear about having the rug pulled out from under you. Yeah. <laughs> this was really one of those events yes. because all of a sudden life stopped. Mm-hmm. There does. was, the fire was still going. Um, you know, it had destroyed 5,000 homes overnight, but oh. it was still going. And work people no no offices opened up when mm. work was shut down mm. there were no restaurants to go eat in. <laughs> um 
fortunately, Walmart was open and I could go buy makeup so that I, mm. you know, because I worked for the government, I had to go to work <laughs> and be a civil worker, you know, um, a disaster worker. Mm. So over the next three or four months, um, the insurance, um, Oh gosh, jogger. It's a horrible. <laughs> I'm identifying. I'm in. I'm identifying with Angela because in 2017 we had a catastrophic flood, and lost. Oh. So I'm identifying with that sense of shock when you assess what. Oh, that feeling. No one. Yeah. Would understand unless they've been in those situations. That that complete body shock fatigue that you envelopes don't know what you next how to Correct. take the next step yes and um, then there's insurance and and that is, that is horrible oh my gosh it really diabolically is. My best, bad my best way to describe it so people can understand is I want you to think about your um the junk drawer that you have in the kitchen mm -hmm. And list everything in it right now. Mm -hmm. And put everything. a price beside Don't, it. Right, oh, and tell us how much you bought it for, too. And when you bought it and what brand it was. And mm. if you have a receipt. Yes, yeah, we'd like that as well. <laughs> and I'm like, wait. The illogical. Uh, my, uh, of it. Nothing's left. Yeah. Gone. There are no receipts. Sorry. <laughs> no, I know. I, I'm, I am absolutely with you in that space. Um, recognizing that it's really retro the, the process after a disaster of that magnitude re-traumatizes you by what yeah. you have to go through to get insurance to come on board and and do what they need to do even going shopping to buy the things that we needed was mm -hmm. traumatic mm -hmm. I walked into a local store in Macy's and I wanted to get winter boots because it's October yes. and it's mm -hmm. Northern getting California cold. and the rain's going to start really soon. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at the entire selection of winter boots and I couldn't pick a pair. I just couldn't. That I was inability like, to do simple things. Yeah. And, and I realized later on that I was looking for the kinds that I had before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they they weren't there so yeah yeah um it, the wildfire had lots of brought about lots of changes for you um Angela yeah. what was one of the biggest ones well what it did is um it took away everything from my life because even my book club we had 12 women in a book club. 10 mm -hmm. of us lost our homes that night. So oh. the book club imploded. There was like no normalcy yeah. available in mm -hmm. life. And I realized that the only thing that I had left was the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I was miserably unhappy in mm -hmm. it. So at one point I asked myself, is this the way I want to live for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. And the answer was a resounding no. It was like gut-wrenching no. Oh. And so I made the decision to leave my ex-husband, which was 
a horrible, uh, just the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. To, to purposefully hurt someone in that way. Yeah. And the thing is, if I had stayed, I would have emotionally died. Yes, correct. So I had to choose myself. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time in my life that I You've chose done it. myself. Yeah. 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 That a was powerful a moment. Point. Yeah. As yeah. a woman, that's a very powerful, uh, life changing moment. Um, Angela, can I ask what the fallout of that was like for you and the family? Ah, oh, well, my kids stopped talking to me for a while. Um, yeah. Because. Yeah, there's that. yeah they had um they had always had me as the buffer between angry dad and them and now they didn't Mm -hmm. and so Uh that was a a hard adjustment for them um he he lashed out at me in many ways and I ended up um people don't believe this, but I ended up renting a, a little rental mm-hmm. on a property that there were three locked gates before uh-huh. you could get to where I was. Yeah. And it wasn't that I felt that he could, he would hurt me. I was so afraid that he would talk me back into that marriage mm-hmm. Yeah, that he mm-hmm. would, he would manipulate Yes. You know, my empathic ways. And I just didn't want that. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's so hard to, there's a, there's a heart level and uh, a head level understanding, and they're not always in alignment. And so (laughs) you might leave a marriage for very valid reasons but that doesn't uncouple your heart from right. your partner and it doesn't there's a whole range of things in that space that you have to negotiate um as well as your own pre-existing trauma um yeah. from your childhood so there's just so much wrapped up in that space but for many remember- women yeah go on Angela I was just going to say but but for many women their own healing doesn't actually start until they've removed themselves from that situation i.e a bad marriage yes yeah and what I would call it is a toxic marriage Mm -hmm. I won't label him because I don't believe that people are labels yeah um And the toxicity was because I was so reactive to his anger. Mm -hmm. So I had a part in it and so did he. Yeah. And um, in that way, I'm not putting any blame, but um, your question. It's it's actually not about blame. It's actually for the first time in your life recognizing and choosing yourself and your own health your own mental health your own needs above everyone else and for some women they go through their whole life not doing that but for many others of us it doesn't happen until later in life whereas 
if we had that knowledge and understanding or we were brought up with those concepts as children, those changes, that journey, that healing would help in a lot earlier and we would have a lot less disease, suicide, alcoholism, drug abuse, yes. illness, etc. because all of those things can be linked to an emotional or a lack of dealing with emotions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You understand. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I I remember that. Absolutely. Um, I am absolutely on your page. <laughs> I remember after leaving the marriage, I, I was in the shower maybe two months after I left mm. and I had this, this moment, uh, I don't even know who I am. Mm. I don't even know what I want Yeah, because I had given up so much, much of, of myself mm. to keep the marriage going. Yeah. And that is, it's so traumatic to do that. Yeah. And it's taken me, you know, five it years takes- now. Healing takes a long time, Angela. Like people, I'm not sure they understand that healing is ongoing and you might heal something and then it'll uh, show up in a slight variation and then you'll you'll heal and deal with that. And then it, it is a lifelong journey that you have to devote yourself to because once you start, your awareness will lead you to what's next and what's next and what's next. Absolutely. The important part about this conversation is that by Angela doing the healing work, she in turn starts to heal her children, who in turn start to heal their children. So right. we can't underestimate the importance of doing this work, doing not only healing work. Yeah. And not only does it heal our children, but we can heal ancestral wounds. Absolutely. And when we talk about um, emotional healing, if you consider an onion and you peel the first layer of the onion, that's just the first layer. There's another layer coming. And, and another. And, and another, another. And, and another. That, that is why these tools are so important. You know, I cannot, I cannot under, underestimate the importance. Absolutely. And it's the reason you wrote the books, isn't it? To try and start kids to think about those things. Because in essence, if we could teach kids and get them on that healing journey as soon as, as as they can possibly be aware, that will last, that will go with them their whole life. And we have better humanity, better yes. humans, better outcomes, better everything. I said at a Rotary meeting just the other day, Yes, can you imagine what it would be like if this generation of children don't grow up with emotional baggage what would the world be like (laughs) can you imagine like I just because in that healing space and in that being self-aware space creates better humans creates better solutions allows creativity to thrive and we would solve so many issues across 
Yeah. Feel so much pain because one healed person in turn heals multiple others by by the fact of the life that they live the books they write the speeches they the people they talk to it's not just it has a exponential growth rate one healed person exponential ripple effect across the globe yeah and so I want to make sure that your audience has one of the tools. At Absolutely. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> Angela, tell us about some of those tools that you have freely available. Of course, there's the books and I encourage people with children um, to buy the um, Bella Santini um, Chronicles for their kids. But you also have the tools, Angela. Tell us about the tools. Yeah. So um what I, the most important tool is what I call focused attention. Mm. When you do laser focus attention on the emotion you're feeling, mm -hmm. your mind is disconnected. It's mm -hmm. not, your entire focus is on the feeling. Mm -hmm. So you feel the feel feeling. Feel it in its entirety. In its entirety. Notice where it is, what how is it intense um is you know, it in your heart in your head, yes is it in your heart is it in your gut mm. um, those are sometimes it's in the neck or the back or the lower back yeah so feel it and name it mm -hmm. this is a way of acknowledging this feeling that you're having mm -hmm. that's um, important yeah. to remember isn't it angela it's oh, important very to acknowledge I am angry and I am feeling it in Actually, my bones. I, I feel angry. Mm. We don't want to claim it for who we are. Mm, um, good I am, point. Yeah, I am, I am statements feeling. are very important. Mm. But this tool is to feel, name, and allow. Mm -hmm. Just three steps. Mm -hmm. So you, th with this focused attention, um, the energy of the feeling, you'll notice that it just goes away yeah. and it will come back yeah. every time you think of but the circumstances. Oftentimes it's less intense than that first moment of awareness. Yes. And yes. it is about the awareness, isn't it, Ange? It's, it, it's, it's actually very much about mindfully awareness. being aware. Yes. It's mindfulness on emotions. Yes, yes. Um, that is a very powerful tool. Um, the other part of it is just giving yourself permission to feel because I did a podcast a year ago mm -hmm. and the podcaster came on and she she was visibly upset. She said, my best friend's son was killed in a car accident last night and I don't oh. know if I can do this. And I told her, give yourself permission to not mm. if this is not mm. the show must go on mm, that's this right is a time when you need to pay attention to your feeling mm, definitely and I gave her the tool and I said uh, well she said you know as soon as you said that I knew I could do it because yeah. I gave myself permission yeah yeah and and it's the resistance um yeah. just that that pushing away that energy of resistance is the cause of 
many problems. Yes. Yes. Sometimes it's about surrender, isn't it? Surrender to that feeling. Acknowledge it, feel it, let it dissipate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's simple. And in two minutes, the Mm. feeling will be gone. Because it is just a feeling. It it can't, the harm only comes when you resist it resist it and continuously push it away that's when the harm comes if you acknowledge it and you're aware in that moment i am feeling angry okay let's just stop takes you two minutes as angela says deal with it and you're done move on you know yeah now if you're if you're carrying a whole baggage of emotions (laughs) Mm -hmm. it it's a not as easy as that. <laughs> I was gonna say, there are other circumstances yeah. where it's not quite um, as easy. However, it is the more you do the focused attention on mm. your feelings, the less and less intense the feelings become. Yeah. And so what I tell people is it's a little like peeling that onion. Yeah. Every time your mind thinks of the problem, the feeling will come up and you just focus attention on it and let it dissipate. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Angela, before we run out of time, um, what I'm going to tell the audience is that you can find um, Angela's resources um, on angelalee.com and under the resources section. But when you're watching this video, the connection to Angela's uh, tools, her social media, her website will be attached to this interview when it's released live. Um, Angela, how do you like to work with people? Mm, I really love helping people be able to shift the way they look at things Mm. because it is that shift in perspective, Mm. you know, for me to, to be able to shift my perspective away from I'm staying in this marriage because to leave would hurt my husband Mm -hmm. to an understanding that to stay would hurt hurt you. Uh-huh. And, and yeah, that, that was a very powerful mind shift. Mm. And the thing is, we get to choose what we think. We do. And often, many of us are fed thoughts from our parents, or our grandparents, or our teachers, or our mm. religious leaders. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we don't question it enough don't question it we don't think that hey does that thought serve me mm-hmm. and that's a brilliant question for yeah. asking you know when a thought comes up hey does that thought really serve me mm-hmm. if it doesn't you you get to choose a different thought that's right that's right i've been learning a lot about that um just recently in terms of um uh gratefulness and gratitude so yeah so that a a negative thought whatever whatever that might be an envious thought whatever it is to immediately replace it with a thought of gratitude and gratefulness um 
and it's taking a bit of practice, Angela, let me just say. But it's the same sort of work, isn't it? It's that awareness of what your mind is thinking and what those thoughts yeah. are doing in that brain of yours because that's it's a powerful place that you have the capacity to change and make better. And I'm not yeah. sure if people realise just how, how much power remains in their thoughts and how much they can change their lives by changing the way that they think by enacting the healing that is available to them um it makes life so much better doesn't it Angela it does it does and you know here I am I'm 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 talking about all these tools and I still have things come up. I was just you know? going to say, here's a reality check, people. Here yeah. is the beautiful Angela who has done loads and loads of work. They're still going to come up. It's just Absolutely. got better tools to figure it out. And yeah, there's, there is no shame in using the tools. In fact, there's a lot of shame with the... Um, methods of avoiding emotions mm -hmm. you know think mm -hmm. think about the shame that an alcoholic feels or a drug yeah. addict yeah. struggles with yeah um, there's a lot of shame in the the former tools that people thought was all they had available to them yeah but there's so much more now available yeah and absolutely yeah, absolutely i, just, I I would love it if every parent knew mm -hmm. how to how to deal with their emotions and, and could teach it to their children. And that's where Angela comes in because she has some amazing resources, um, uh, the books. Angela, you talk and run workshops for um, groups as well, yeah? I, I have put together a... Um, it's a parenting support group, kind yes. of, kind of the mastermind model. Yes. And the idea, I, I don't have one starting up again until I think the it'll new be, year. Yeah, yeah, in the new year. But mm -hmm. um, it's a six month journey where they get to meet with me once a week yeah. as a group, and because there's collective wisdom. Um, absolutely the whole group gets to talk about you know what what's present for them. them today mm -hmm. and we get to work through it and they have access to um you know all of my tools <laughs> yeah Angela we are just about out of time um one last thing um are there more books on the way uh yeah <laughs> So we can have, you tell us can you tell us a little bit I can so oh, we have <laughs> book one in which 14 year old Bella is um, whisked away to the land of the fae and is um, basically stuck there so she has to figure out she ends up um, being forced to enroll in yelly moon school <laughs> and sounds amazing her, her whole goal is to mm -hmm. learn enough language so she uh -huh. can return back to earth um learn enough magic so she could mm -hmm. return back to earth and mm -hmm. in book two yeah she 
finds out that she isn't from earth <laughs> she ah. grows fairy wings and yeah oh wow. wow yeah so um she learns that her whole life is a lie there was good reasons yeah. for that to happen but mm -hmm. um she experiences the um trauma of yes. of that discovery and book three is coming out yes and it's titled a little bit different it's mm -hmm. entitled princess bella visits the dragon's lair oh so. wow oh that's awesome fantastic yeah. angela yeah, so she finds out who she really is in book two yes and, and is learning how to step into the fullness of who she really is in in book three amazing amazing Angela thank you so much for sharing with the audience today sharing authentically and from that place of of, of healing and continued healing um, I want to wish you all the best and every success with your life and the books and that my wonderful audience is your lot for this week and we'll be back again shortly with another amazing author on the show Angela thank you so much Tony thank you bye for now everyone mm -hmm.